Welcome to the California Planning and Development Report podcast with Josh Stevens. It's the first week of March 2021, and up on the website right now, we have stories about housing in Sacramento, appeals of regional housing needs allocations in Southern California, and a remembrance of Carol Whitesides of the Great Valley Center. And now, please join us for our interview with new Los Angeles City Council member, Nithya Raman. Welcome, everyone. This is Josh Stevens with the California Planning and Development Report, and I'm here with newly elected and um, installed Los Angeles City Councilperson Nithya Raman, um, who is a planner by training, and, and we'll find out more about that in this podcast. So, Councilmember Raman, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to CPNDR. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate you saying my name very, very accurately. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Um, and full disclosure, I'm, I'm not one of your direct constituents, but I'm here in CD11. So I am generally under the sway of LA City Council. Um, so I know you, you've only been on council for a few weeks now, but would sort of first love to ask you kind of what, what have you learned about land use from your perspective as an elected official now that you hadn't known or hadn't thought about as a trained planner? Um, you know, it's been an interesting time in, in office. Um, there, this is a time of heated discussions around planning and land use across the state, as you very well know. And so obviously there's been a lot of those discussions that have, you know, filtered up to the office and, and that we've had with constituents and with constituent groups. Um, I think one of the things that has surprised uh, me is how much engagement there is between uh, projects that are happening in the district and the city council office, even in cases where there is less discretion for the city council office to even be involved in, there's still significant engagement and there are still significant um, kind of opportunities, I think, for the council office to um, to, 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 to talk to all kinds of players in the district about, about issues that are really related to land use. And so, although I always knew that part of the challenge or part of the landscape of, of land use and planning in, in the city of Los Angeles is that there's a huge amount of interaction between city council offices and what happens in districts, I, I think it's more porous and more, um, uh, more intense than I had even realized as a as an outsider to it. For our listeners around the state, why don't you just sort of describe your district briefly, and the and the land use concerns that you're seeing among your constituents. So, the district is a very oddly shaped district and encompasses a range of of um, t housing types and neighborhoods. It. I live in Silver Lake, which is one end of the district, and it goes from Los Feliz, Silver Lake, uh, which is a mix of single family homes and, and apartments into Hollywood, which is primarily multi-unit buildings, and Koreatown, which is the same, the mid-city area, Hancock Park, um, and Mid-Wilshire uh, around LACMA. Um, and so there, there's a significant number of large investments being planned that are gonna change how land use uh, happens there and how people move through that space, like the purple line. And then um, all of the Hollywood Hills, which are their own unique geography, uh, narrow streets, high fire risk, um, 
and um, you know, and the topography that makes it challenging to build and huge amounts of still open space, wild, uh, you know, that is still in a, you know, kind of a um, pristine natural environment that people are fighting to protect and into the valley, which has its own set of transportation challenges and, um, and other kind of neighborhood issues. And all of these different neighborhoods have really different concerns with regards to um, some of the things that they reach out to the office for. Everything ranging from um, issues around density and how much building is permitted in their neighborhoods to what I would still consider kind of land use related issues, which is um, access to, um, you know, cheaper affordable housing in the district um, and people who are struggling with rent and with their landlords in a city where the scarcity of rental units, I think, has made it challenging for in, in, in the past for renters to have a lot of leverage. So it's just, you know, there's a lot of things at play in the district. And in, in many ways, the district is so varied and so vast that it um, that it encompasses within itself, I think, a, a, the, the full gamut of issues that are facing the city of Los Angeles as a whole. I actually even forgot to mention that Griffith Park is entirely within the district. Mm -hmm. And there the questions are around, you know, uh, preservation of nature um, and how you maintain that that environment while also allowing a, a park poor city to have access to one of its most incredible resources. So it's just it's just astounding how many issues there are that are really related to um, planning concerns. And and is that geographic diversity a bonanza for someone with a planning perspective, or 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 do you do you sometimes wish your district was more homogenous so that you could really identify, you know, common issues throughout the district? I think it certainly poses a challenge, and I think what we have to figure out as a as what I have to figure out as an elected representative, and what I what we have to figure out as an office and a team is what skills we need to be able to serve the very diverse needs of our residents. Is it just, you know, in council offices, there's all there's usually always two planners, but in our office, because of the larger projects and investments that are happening, like the LACMA redesign and, and, and construction, the uh, purple line coming in, the valley investments that are planned from in public transit through the Metro, um, the challenges that are facing residents because of issues related to the airport, the Burbank and Van Nuys airports in the Valley, because they have so many different issues that are kind of related in a broad way to transit and transportation. And, you know, one of the things, even though I'm not on the transportation committee in the council, one of the reasons we've really, one of the things we've really been thinking about is, do we need to have someone on the team who has focused experience with transportation and and kind of problem solving in, in transportation and, and especially in the interface between access and bigger projects and how those shape um, how people move around this um, uh, public spaces in the city. Now that you're on council sort of how much do you see yourself wearing a planner's hat and really focusing on land use issues and transportation or how much are you looking forward to focusing on non-planning issues? Well, you know, I think some of the most pressing concerns that face Los Angeles ultimately are related to planning and land use. And in fact, some of the issues that I centered in my campaign. So mm -hmm. affordable housing and homelessness were among the, the most important 
issues that residents identify as, as challenges within the city as a whole and in the district, um, and also that were top of mind during the campaign. And obviously these are in, in many ways at their root planning related issues. Um, although I think there's a whole area of work around renter protections and homeless services that we're also working on. So even on the issues that I think are not directly planning related, they are ultimately planning related. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about homelessness and poverty since that is, you know, been a lot of your career focus. Um, I think that's something that planners have struggled with partly because planning is generally considered a, a really long-term uh, you know, prospect and homelessness is an immediate crisis. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think planners in LA and throughout the state can be doing or should be thinking in terms specifically in terms of homelessness? Well, I think one of the things that my planning degree really brings me is an awareness and a sympathy to bureaucracies and how things move through bureaucracies mm -hmm. and an awareness of how changing those processes can also have a transformative impact on outcomes for the city. So for me, when I'm talking about something like homelessness, uh, one of the biggest challenges, of course, is finding and building uh, and making available housing for people experiencing homelessness. And either that means building new housing or that means making existing units available. And I think one of the things that we're looking at right now is, is the, a shared housing model, okay? So can you put, um, can you put, can you make available spaces in, in multi-bedroom houses, for example, for families to live in, in a, in a group setting or in um, multi-bedroom apartments where couples or um, individuals could live, so different households in one living unit, um, or dormitory style housing, where, you know, if you're doing motel conversions, which is on the table now because of something like uh, Project Home Key from the state government, um, or if you're doing uh, dormitory style construction in the city, all of these involve planning changes for them to work in the city. So with shared housing, a big barrier to making this kind of housing available in the city is actually our fire codes, which prevent multiple households from living in one unit. And I think we have to look at how we can kind of work with, the, with both the fire department and um, with other departments within the city to, uh, you know, make this, um, make this kind of housing available and possible and safe. Like what about the fire code needs to change in order for this kind of shared housing model to work and be safe for residents. And, and I think this is incredibly, incredibly important. The other piece is when we're actually constructing housing. So, um, you know, I think there my awareness of the processes and the bureaucracies that are involved in, in, in planning um, and in construction have also made it possible for me to be really attuned to the challenges that builders have when they're going through um, the process of building affordable housing, how long those processes are, how much each step in the process, how much time each step in the process takes, and how we can work on overcoming those hurdles and shortening that process to really make a lot more housing available. And I think that awareness really does come from having gone to planning school, having uh, dealt with um, city planning departments in the past and with city bureaucracies in general, and having a number of contacts in my circle who are trying to work on these issues at every level of intervention and seeing the challenges that they're facing and learning from them as well. 
Um, have, have you had a chance to have this sort of discussion with members of LA City Planning, be it, be it Director Bertoni or other members of his staff? Um, we have started those conversations, but we are not even fully staffed up in, staffed up in mm -hmm. our planning department yet. And so that com those conversations haven't moved forward as much as other ones have, which have felt a little bit more timely. Let me zoom it out to the state level, um, specifically with, with RENA. Um, City of LA has been allocated over 400,000 units for the next cycle. Um, the city you know, reportedly sort of embraced those units that number, while whereas there were some disputes among other cities. Um, how do you feel about that number? And what does it mean for your district? And I guess, have you had to sell that number or discuss it with your constituents yet and what that might mean for them? I think people are aware about the RENA allocations. Um, so, or there, we have in this district a number of groups that have been involved in planning and land use discussions that have happened statewide, um, homeowners associations and other folks who have been deeply engaged on these issues for, for, for many, many years now. And so of course, we've been having conversations with them as part of the broader outreach to um, community groups about what these RENA allocations mean, what they might mean for particular neighborhoods and how we can find a way to accommodate those RENA allocations while still um, keeping aspects of the neighborhood that are exciting for residents alive and thriving. And I think that's a conversation that we've been very willing to have. And once we filled out our planning team, I think we'll be able to take on a lot more of that kind of deep community engagement. The question I always say, uh, I ask when I go to these uh, community groups that have been engaged in these issues for a long time is that we're here to solve those problems and challenges together. And I'm, and I'm excited to be in a process of conversation and engagement um, with them. The other piece of it is that I think in Los Angeles, there are lots of people who have no idea what RENA means and mm -hmm. who don't know what the housing element is. Um, even though these terms and these processes will have a pretty big impact on what the city looks like in a decade. And I think part of the work of our office is really trying to educate people about the importance of these issues and why it matters that their voices and their perspectives are also heard and how they can get involved in a productive way. And so we're excited um, as we, you know, we just, we're not quite fully staffed yet, but as we get to filling out our staff in the next couple of weeks, one thing we're really excited about is to actually take on these conversations head on and to widen the circle of people who are involved in these discussions. There have often been sort of tactics such as warning people like the Manhattanization of Los Angeles. Some of that messages come from the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, which is almost in your district. Um, would Manhattanization be a good thing, a bad thing? Is that stereotype, is there a grain of truth to it? Sort of how do, how do you how do you respond to those discussions that have been happening before your time? You know, I think one of the things I always talked about was in trying to find ways to really make sure that the kind of construction and the kind of new building that was happening in the city of Los Angeles was actually addressing our biggest needs. So setting aside the question of Manhattanization or not, I think what we were looking at before I stepped into this role and even now is construction that is happening in Los Angeles, which is producing a lot of relatively expensive units and not enough affordable units, not enough 
um, units that are um, really miss meeting the gaps that you know not enough units that are um, available for people who are housing insecure or that are about to fall into or, or are about to exit homelessness. And so I think one of the one of the bigger questions that we've been asking, one of the overarching questions is really to look at our planning code and to look at what's being built and to say, what are the blocks that people are facing as they're trying to build this kind of housing exactly? And one thing we're, again, excited to start doing, um, so far we've mostly been in reactive mode because of um, having just started and having just starting to put our processes in place, is proactively trying to think about how to build housing that really fills those gaps. And I think what I'm excited about in Los Angeles is that there is relatively wide agreement that those gaps exist. And so I think if we can find policy that will generate that kind of housing, I do think we can also build a wider base of support around it. And how do you feel about say funding for, um, for subsidized housing for the very low income, which I know is, is a great concern of yours? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really important issue. Um, you know, one of the biggest um, issues, for example, in, in Los Angeles is that a lot of people who have, um, uh, oh, so I'm sorry, you're asking me about- what fun, Funding for, for subsidized housing, housing or, or, you know, or other incentives for low, very low income housing. Yes, yeah, so, uh, you know, one of the biggest issues that I talked about in on the campaign trail was, Los Angeles's biggest intervention in this in recent years, which was Prop HHH, and how HHH in some ways didn't meet the expectations that the city had for that intervention, in part because I think of the failures of the bureaucracy to make rules around it that really would generate the number of units at the costs that we needed it to generate. And so I think a big part of what we're doing going forward is to build up public support for building more subsidized housing, wherever that money is coming from. Um, we have a big opportunity right now because of COVID. I mean, as, as um, I think COVID has brought into relief how much support the city of Los Angeles needs. And through uh, interventions that have been targeted through COVID, like Project Room Key and Project Home Key, there has actually been more state investment in exactly this kind of housing. And I'm really excited to find opportunities to, to, to rent rooms in the district and to um, actually purchase uh, motels and hotels and other kinds of smaller uh, apartment units to actually add to our uh, subsidized housing stock in, in the city. You mentioned the state, state programs like Project Home Key. Um, let me ask you sort of a different state question, which is, We've got a few housing bills coming up, um, SB 9, the, the, the duplex bill, um, SB 10, which is sort of a rehash of SB 50. Um, I know cities have strong feelings about bills like that. What, what are your feelings um, as, a, as a council member? I had really, um, I had a, I, ha I didn't have one opinion on all of the state housing bills when I, during my campaign. And I have to confess that I have not had the opportunity since I got into office, given how much work we've taken on to examine the new versions of the state bills that um, have been um, uh, coming down the pipeline. Um, but during the campaign, I did speak out against some of the state housing bills and spoke in favor of others. I didn't like SB 50 for a number of reasons, 
um, including the very real concerns that I heard about displacement and, um, and gentrification that would result if those particular rules were adopted. I did like, uh, in many ways, SB 1120, I had some concerns about high fire zones and, and not wanting more construction to be encouraged in, in very high fire zones. And we have a number of those in the district, but that kind of bill was more exciting to me. And I felt like it was um, something that would address some of the needs that we were facing in, in Los Angeles. And I'm, I'm excited as we move forward uh, to be able to look at the new um, housing bills that are coming down uh, and to evaluate them further. I will say one thing though, which is as someone who has been an observer of the city for, for far longer than I've actually had mm -hmm. any real power in the city, um, one of the things that I felt in the broader debates around Sacramento versus Los Angeles controlling what happens locally is that in many ways, our local representatives have not made the kind of tough decisions around zoning and planning that would have enabled us to build the kind of housing, especially affordable housing that we so desperately need here in Los Angeles. And I think if we can do more of that locally, if we can use this housing element process um, to really think about that and to take action on that, I think that some of the um, debates around the legislation coming from Sacramento will be moot because we will have taken on those problems head on locally. That brings me back to my next question, which was last week we ran an article about Sacramento's decision to essentially do away with single unit zoning and allow up to four plexes on essentially any lot in the city. Obviously the details will be worked out, but that's their principle. Um, what do you think of that? Is that an inspiration? Is that something that could fly in LA in some version? I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I, I, I have to confess, I'm so busy that all I've mm. done is just read the headlines on that. <laughs> I have probably about 70 tabs open on my mm -hmm. browser right now. And an article about Sacramento's latest effort is certainly um, is certainly in there. And I'm really excited to learn more and to see what Los Angeles can learn from their efforts. Um, I'm also excited to learn more about, uh, was it Minnesota? Um, sorry, Minneapolis. Yeah, Minneapolis and, and Portland as well. Yeah, I'm really curious to hear from those cities that have already done this and to see what has resulted in the, in those cities uh, as a result of those changes too. You know, I think I'm, 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 these are great learning examples and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to learning from them. Nithya well, has another, um, sorry to interrupt, she has something yeah. at 2.30, so maybe this could be the last time. Sure, yep, last yep. Thing. this is going to be the last question, absolutely. Um, so the last question was more of a personal question, which is <laughs> as a planner, um, what, what has informed your perspective on planning? Are there books, theories, scholars, personal experiences that you are bringing to the job and, are, and find yourself thinking about on a regular basis? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Jesse, what was that, the title of that book that I was recommending to you that I'm in the middle oh, of? Oh, you had me read uh, The Reluctant Metropolis. Yes, I was just reading an excellent book about Los Angeles called The Reluctant Metropolis. Which, which was great. written by our publisher, Bill Fulton. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, so please <laughs> well, go on. <laughs> well, he'll be very glad to know that um, I'm in the middle of reading that book and it has been a fascinating insight into not just how L why LA looks the way that it does today, but into the, I think, the partnerships that had resulted in the past um, 
you know, environmentalists and um, people who cared about neighborhoods, um, you know, working together to produce some of the land use decisions that have continued to shape Los Angeles today and the incredible power that uh, individual real estate developers had over the shape of the city. I mean, it has just been fascinating to understand the past. Um, and, I, and I hope that it will help me better inform my actions in the present. Mm -hmm. And what about further back in your career, especially your work on poverty? And in, what, 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 what's a, a seminal moment in, in that career? Um, you know, one of the biggest issues that I worked with in India um, was uh, about was on informality, because mm -hmm. so many uh, of of the settlements where um, low income residents lived uh, were not on official maps. They weren't. They weren't. Um, they weren't given services, and they weren't mm -hmm. given land rights. And in part, that was because the city, because these were built kind of outside of the state planning processes, the cities just ignored their existence entirely. And access to services became an ad hoc effort for, for, these, for, for many residents of these communities through kind of politics. And I feel like in understanding um, what was happening there, James Scott seeing like a state really helped me to um, uh, kind of shape some of my thinking around um, what I did in my work there. So that's not really a planning book, but. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Councilmember Nitya Raman of Los Angeles, thanks very much for joining us. And we wish you all the best in your, in your new political career. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate you taking the time. This has been the California Planning and Development Report podcast. For all of your California planning news, please visit us on the web at www.cp-dr.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading.